0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The time has come. I like that.
1: The time is now. For Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. Happy Boxing Day, everybody. <laughs> Americans will be going,
0: what is that? Like, I think of Muhammad Ali, like he has a day. He yeah, has nothing to do with that. What is it? December 26th is Boxing Day. This is a holiday um, celebrated in Britain
1: and uh, basically anywhere in the Commonwealth. Australia, mm-hmm. New Zealand, Canada, other Commonwealth countries, and it originated in England, of course. In the middle of the 19th century under Queen Victoria. You guys have the most interesting things. (laughs) And it's also, uh, it's in the UK, it's a bank holiday. Bank holiday is like a, you know. Day off. Day off. But there's quite a lot of reasons or, or I guess, stories or, I mean, I think some of them are are valid of why Boxing Day is called Boxing Day. Right. Why is the day after Christmas called Boxing Day? Because
0: everyone's fighting in the stores to return stuff. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. And you
1: know what? Actually, that's pretty close. No, um. So it's called because it was the custom on that day for tradesmen uh-huh. to collect their Christmas boxes or gifts in return for good and reliable service throughout the year.
0: Oh, so they... Oh, it's like recycle, reuse, renew. Well, I,
1: yeah. I, first of all, I thought that that was, yeah, they would collect their Christmas boxes, uh-huh. as in the tradesmen themselves, yeah. their, their uh, you know... Because a lot of gifts would come in boxes yeah. and, and good recycling. But um, I think here it, it means that... Um, they get gifts in return for their
0: service. Oh, so it's like when you leave your mailman a gift in the mailbox yeah. or something or yes. mailwoman. woman, male And person. you know,
1: we'll still, we'll spend Boxing Day with family and friends mm-hmm. and um, <clears> the traditional <throat> celebration uh, of Boxing Day includes giving money and gifts to charitable institutions. I like that. People in service jobs and things like that. And oh, yeah. The holiday could date from the Middle Ages. But the exact origin is unknown. And, of course, the Lords and Ladies of England presented Christmas gifts to their staff on Boxing Day. And uh, priests opened the church's alms, charity boxes Mm -hmm. on that day, and distributed contents to the poor. But I, so, so it's also a time to go to Panto. What's panto? Panto? Panto. Pantomime. What? Okay, so when I was You go to it? You go to pantomime, yes. So throughout the Christmas season, Uh pretty much, in the UK, every city, every town Mm -hmm. has a pantomime. And a pantomime is... It can be Puss in Boots. It can be Dick Whittington. It can be Cinderella. You mean a story, a play? It's a a story. It can be Aladdin. It can be anything. And it's a kind of... Uh, very kid-friendly, but adults love it too because there's jokes for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a, a sort of celebration and a bit of a lark and a bit of a... It's a play. So you take Cinderella, right? And I know this is weird, but you take Cinderella. <laughs> I didn't say anything. And the Cinderella is obviously played by a female. Uh-huh. But there's also the uh, fairy godmother can be played by a female. But the Cinderella stepmother is normally played by a man. In, why in, in drag not the kind of drag you're thinking but a man who's playing a woman uh-huh. and so for example i did when i was an actor i did aladdin uh-huh. i did aladdin uh gosh where was it somewhere near reading and um i was aladdin so the peter so if you it's peter pan peter pan is always played by a girl and oh. in um if it's a if it's a boy character it's normally always played by a girl so i played aladdin and Widow, Someone else played Princess Jasmine, Widow some guy named Doug. Right yeah. now, but Widow Twanky, who is my, Aladdin's mother, uh-huh. is played by a man. But, uh, you know, a a man that's kind of, you know, quite effeminate and quite, yeah. Yes. So that's what we've, and the jokes can be, you know, a little bawdy sometimes, mm-hmm. and but funny, and kids love it. And so... And then this is every, I mean, there's loads of pantomimes in London and all around the country. And it's a big Christmas Christmas decision, tradition to go to pantomime on Boxing Day. But
0: it's not really pantomime. Like they, there's words, right? Or no, you do it all in acting. Like pantomime isn't that just acting something out without words? No, 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 no. This
1: is words and songs and music and yeah. Oh, wow. I know you. You have to come to because it, it is yeah. odd. I think it's odd for to explain it like that. A lot of if you're listening in the U S. or from other countries, you're going, "What is she talking about?" Yeah. But just Google pantomime okay. and take a look at it, OK. and uh, and then you'll kind of get get the. It sounds yeah, cool. It's I love really it. Really cool. It's it's really cool.
0: I I think I made a great Aladdin. (laughs) I did. It was a great Christmas job to have. And your friend Butch made a great (laughs) Princess
1: Jasmine. (laughs) No, no, no. Jasmine was a girl. But Widow Twanky, who is my mother, was a guy and they are always extremely funny of course yeah I the mean, comics
0: and oh. oh my
1: god see that's and famous that. people do celebrities play all the parts
0: basically. so maybe that's why they do that because after the holidays you never oh it's so stressful like you know you have the in-laws or you have the whatever so maybe they need a day just to let well, go and well actually pantomime does run throughout the whole christmas season so oh. it'll start
1: in november and it will go probably till the third or fourth of january yeah oh, so it's, okay, cool. it's it's just a big lots of big shows that people go see mm-hmm. and uh we took alex to a couple when Uh, when we lived in the United Kingdom so there you go
0: oh how fun all right Mm -hmm. put it on my bucket list pantomime (laughs) Pantomime. around Christmas time (laughs) also so um, I I found something really cool um, that I thought was awesome and you've done a story on this because we started Christmas-y talking about too, this. I think. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of people go skiing. This is time mm-hmm. to go skiing this time of year. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about you know you think about hurricanes in summer things like that. Well, avalanches, right? And there have been a few in the past few years, right? Um, and I was just learning CNN had the story about it. We're airing it, um, and it's cool about the they have avalanche dogs, rescue dogs, because um, you know we always think about. The, like Saint Bernards, right? Like if you're stuck somewhere, you want them to come out. We're really just because they have vodka under their chin, <laughs> which is fine with me, or something, you know, right? Yeah, because that would be helpful. But um, it's really uh, like German Shepherds, Border Collies, Golden Retrievers, because they're they're good sniffers and and you did a story on this so they're yes, really did. trained
1: they are we went um in fact um, you've got a story on CNN that just ha- happened on mm-hmm. CNN which is obviously what the reason why we're talking about it um, and it's a travel article that was done uh, on uh, these amazing dogs so they are avalanche dogs in fact that we filmed with them gosh I think it was probably about five years ago mm-hmm. uh, we were filming with the avalanche dogs on Aspen mountain um, right. and we were filming and in fact the Airedale that we filmed filmed with and uh, the cattle dog mix uh in this article the cnn article and the film um are some of the dogs that we filmed with too um but they're on the other dogs are on snowmass and we were on and and it is it is such important work right dogs have incredible noses we know that it's nose first for all for, for these dogs that's their primary sense and um it's these places still have avalanches. People get trapped, and these dogs can go find them and locate them.
0: And, and here's what I've, uh, as like, I was fascinated about it, so I did more research, and they say an, one avalanche dog can search two and a half acres in about 30 minutes. That would take 20 people using probes about four hours and could you imagine that if you're stuck
1: in the snow there and you're losing Mm -hmm. oxygen and you know you're getting hypothermia or everything and how important that dog is to 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 be able to search out for that person stuck so that they can hopefully rescue that person that person will live
0: yeah it's vital because they say 90 percent of avalanche victims will survive if they're found in the first 15 minutes Mm. then it goes to 30 percent After 30 minutes, and then just 10% after two hours. So it's so important. And this is kind of cool that they could go. uh, They can bury a sweater 30 inches below the snow, and a dog can find it. Yeah, isn't? I mean, just aren't dogs incredible? I I always think that I that I'm in the best job in the world because I work with
1: these animals. But we, when we were filming there, we did. I I did get buried in snow. Mm -hmm. As we wanted a dog to locate and find me. So I did, I buried, there was in a controlled situation, actually, myself and my daughter, we were buried in snow. And then they sent the dog off to find us. And of course, the dog did.
0: Wow, I bet. Mm -hmm. And this is, so I, I, I want to know how... They teach them, so the dog searches for pools of human scent. So um, basically, they say if, if someone's still conscious, they, you give off like a, a really strong scent because you know you're panicking. It's sweat, it's adrenaline, and I guess they can really sense that even though it's cold out. And then that o- odor comes through the snow before being carried away on a breeze. So a dog will catch that scent when the wind blows, and then bury the sn- her snout into the head in the snow and try to find it. If the scent intensifies, the dog will start digging which you probably experienced from the inside. And um, then that's when, you know, the humans will come and they all, you know, you could get a bunch of them with shovels and they'll get them out fast. But if the scent becomes weaker, the dogs still will find them. They work outward from the area and they'll try and go in so they they can pinpoint the area. And I'm sure humans there will help, you know, start digging and see if they can make that scent stronger. But, and they said it takes about two years to train one of these dogs and they work till they're about eight or 10 years old. So they get a lot of, and the dogs apparently love it. Like if you see this video they love running the mountain and they're outside. Oh, they outside do. They are so
1: there. They, they just, they get getting trained. They have great reinforcement. Um, and yeah, and they are, they're just so important. Isn't it amazing how our dogs, they just enrich our lives and they save our lives too. Oh, yeah. And actually the show that we're going to be working on is going to be showing dogs
0: doing incredible things. Which but is more amazing. on that later. Okay. To be continued. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with the Klepto Kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not so adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info.
1: Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
0: Let's jump right into the Let's Embarrass and Humiliate Holly segment.
1: Open your notebook, sharpen your pencil, and get ready. You're about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy. It's time for me to ask you questions. (laughs) You're always asking me questions, and I sit here. I've been studying. (laughs) not really these this are about the dogs way. and I feel like some of these questions we've you've, you've had before <laughs> <Great. But laughs> so it yes,
0: when yeah. I don't get them when you'll you know don't my memory's
1: going uh, and I know this is, this is stuff that I should know too um, okay but now I'm asking the question so it's great <laughs> so here we go and, you
0: and can, your daughter Alex put this quiz together yes yeah, she did I love she this. did
1: uh, you can um, stumped by a 13 year old <laughs> play at home everybody yes so first question how many teeth does a normal adult dog have
0: hmm uh, they have 42 teeth.
1: How do you know that? Was brilliant. that true? It is true. Oh, no way. Yes. I was a total guess. Are you kidding? No. Well, then maybe in your subconscious, we must have talked about this before, but that's brilliant. It's
0: 42. I, was like, I thought that would be way too many. And yeah. I thought, oh, they probably have like 20 something. 42. 42. How many do humans have? Look at me. I started to count. something. 35. One, 30 one, stuff. two. Give me a minute and I'll count. Oh, oh, no, don't. Wait a second. No, I'm, I've had then, teeth pulled though because... Um, oh. When I was little, the funny thing is how ironic. They said her mouth is too small. Well, <laughs> exactly. That's everyone's reaction, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm just Googling oh, it yeah, right yeah. now. That's um, good. At 32. 32. So dogs have 10 more. But it makes little, sense. I know how many teeth dogs have, but I have no idea how many teeth humans have. Is <laughs> and that it bad? It
0: makes sense because their snouts and their jowls seem to be yeah. bigger. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Pretty smart.
1: So here's another kind of relatively easy one. Here. You always say that to me and then okay. I don't get it. Um, through what mm. part of the body do
0: dogs sweat? oh I do know this one the pads of their feet yes, and the reason why I know paused. that one is because I don't know why I know that one but I knew it I'm sure we've talked about maybe it maybe we have before. talked about it yeah because my question is when you take a dog out in the winter like a lot of times people will put like uh, boots on there or something mm-hmm. on there mm-hmm. which is good because especially like if you're up north in the south yeah, it's really and really cold yes but like you don't want to do that in the summer then because that could hurt them couldn't mm-hmm well yeah you don't really need to do that in the summer i mean especially hot unless, yeah
1: no 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 i mean the pads are there for a reason and the pads mm. are act like shoes but yes if it's really really cold or if it's burning burning hot you don't take your dog out i mean you don't gotcha. take your dog in the, and if you have to in the cold then you put booties on their feet i like um, this squiz. but yeah okay so far, doing well <laughs> you are doing well so number three what is the only barkless
0: dog in the world That would be the short haired uh, Eastern European, Lithuanian, and um, Bulgarian mixed dog. There you go. (laughs) You just, you make your answers just sound like you know exactly what you're talking talking about. about.
1: This is an African dog called a Basenji. Oh, I did. Yes, I do knew know. that. It's a, it's a bird dog. Well, they it looks, use it for bird hunting. It looks like a uh, Jack
0: Russell sort of. It's kind
1: of, yeah. So it's a, a tan in color, tan and white, so and little pricked ears, and a little curly tail. If uh-huh. it's
0: bird hunting and it doesn't make a sound, how does it let people... Oh, does it do that oh, so no, it doesn't it scare it the, birds? the birds? yeah no, huh the birds. Yeah. I wonder why it can't bark. I don't know. It's good to know if you're in an apartment and you mm-hmm. are worried about a barking but dog. They do,
1: but when they say they don't bark, they actually do make a sound. It's but more it's, like a... Like a
0: yeah. A vocalization yeah, of it is. It's oh. not like
1: a bark, bark. Okay.
0: So, number four. What mm-hmm. were Dachshunds bred to do? Oh, yeah. This one is easy. Um, Dachshunds were bred to sweep the street because <laughs> their bellies are so close and they would spread their little arms yeah. out. They would run and then they would just take all the refuse from the streets of England. Nearly. Right? Very close,
1: Holly. <laughs> they um, are born to sniff out and fight if needs be badgers which is just terrible badgers
0: yeah badgers
1: do you know what a badger is
0: it's kind of it's our a wisconsin um it's kind it's of it's their uh, mascot is it university of wisconsin oh, it, badgers. okay yeah so um
1: in england we have a lot of badgers they're kind of uh like a groundhog they're sort of bigger raccoons but they're oh. but they're big and black and white and um there's a whole thing in the uk where the government wants to cull badgers and People say that badger culling is not a good idea because badgers, uh, the government says that badgers spread disease, and so there's this big fight to stop the cull of badgers in the UK, but Dachshunds originally were bred to go down into ground
0: and and go down into
1: their dens, and that's why their backs are long, because they can kind of go around corners and... And to, to flush out and fight oh. badges if needs be. So kind of unpleasant, but that's the answer to that one. I like my answer better of sweeping the states. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Number five, true mm-hmm. or false, Dalmatians are completely white. False, because they've got black spots on ah. them. Am I wrong? This is kind of a difficult question. What? They're born white, and their spots oh. develop. So puppy, Dalmatians
0: that are puppies are white. You know, it's interesting you say that, because Kashmir, my American bulldog, pit bull mix. The American bulldog part of her, you know, the white. with, And we noticed she was getting a lot more black spots. It must be the same thing. So she's I thought she's probably mixed with a little Dalmatian. Well, I think also the American bulldog has that yes, too. Yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, huh. who knew? We, we we're going to do a DNA test, but my black and tan coonhound who's 80 pounds came back with dachshund and I'm almost like, what part yeah. of him looks like a dachshund? Wow.
1: Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question. H- about how many dogs are there in the world? Oh,
0: Lord. 472 million. Oh,
1: my gosh. What? 400 million. No way. Uh, on Yes. 400 million think, and some. I think I'm a genius. That's pretty incredible. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I totally guessed again. Keep well, going.
1: This, I feel like
0: I'd use these powers for good.
1: Yeah. Uh, next question. What is a group of pugs called? <laughs> a group of pugs. Trouble. Yes. Yeah, trouble. <laughs> I, I I have no idea. I wouldn't know this. It's called a grumble. A grumble. You could imagine all these
0: grumbly (laughs) little pugs
1: together. (laughs) That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, Okay. Why is the wetness of a dog's nose essential? Why do dogs have wet noses? So gnats don't stick to them when they fly around? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, actually, actually quite the opposite, because it's uh, good for trapping the scent molecules.
0: Oh. And the moisture in the
1: nose, and then yeah. So in the noise, if you think about scent molecules going past and they get stuck on this moisture, yeah. And then the dog can ha- then the dog can smell them. And How do they get rid um, of them? I guess
0: they wipe them off. Yeah. Oh no.
1: <laughs> um. And actually, um, the moisture either your dog produces about a pint of of this saliva and moisture every day.
0: Oh wow. By the
1: way, sorry, not saliva, but the nose. Yeah, yeah, nose, yeah. Um, and um. <clears throat> And so tiny hairs in the nose, called cilia, kind of, they, they, they uh, ensure that the scent molecules that are trapped in the moist of the nose, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the no- nose moisture, gets what's the word, fed back mm-hmm. to the back of the nose, so that uh, the scent molecules can then go on to be detected by the brain as to what the brain is scenting. No wonder they have such good sense of smell, probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So are hyenas dogs? No yes
0: <laughs> no No, you were right i was right yeah they are more closely related <clears throat> related to cats okay oh, cat? i would have mm-hmm. thought like foxes or something mm-hmm. yeah nope they're more let me closely tell you related to cats i you know you hear of hyenas and i remember seeing stories you know when you're younger about them and when i went to africa i never had seen a hyena in person until those things might scare me more than monkeys they're they terrifying are and i'll tell you a pack of hyena hyenas that what you call them had trapped a wildebeest under one of the tents we were in and i have never heard screaming it was the most horrendous and apparently it's the worst death you can have because they don't go for the jugular like a big cat would they just take pieces out of the oh it's awful horrible i know so now it makes more sense yeah <laughs> How much Let longer, me just cheer things up yes, with that yes, story. Yes, good
1: God. How much longer does a wild dog live compared to a domestic dog? How much longer? Yeah, does a wild dog live compared
0: to a domestic dog? I think dog? they would live less because they're not as I pampered as taking of care of. I a bizarre question. I'm going to go with uh, one year, four months, three days and seven hours. Well, it says here about 10 years or nine and a half years, but I don't understand that. Maybe how long does a dog in the wild live compared to a dog? That's what it means. That's how much longer does... Yeah, I don't... I don't. So, know. like, if my dog... If Sadie was out, she'd be 26 years old? No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this. I'm going to talk to
1: my daughter about this question. I love it. Where okay. did you get this? Let's,
0: just put it, let's put an asterisk next to that one.
1: Okay, but here I'm going to give you an extra fact. <clears> okay. <throat> I think she gets it back on this extra okay. fact. Okay. Did you know that the Beatles song, A Day in the Life has an extra high-pitched whistle, which is only audible to dogs. It was recorded by Paul McCartney for the enjoyment of his Shetland Sheepdog.
0: So I wonder what happens when the dogs listen to it. What do they do? I don't know. I'm going to have to put that on. They hear nothing.
1: They hear just this noise. And then all of a sudden, they hear this whistle. Put it on. Yeah, see. Let's try I think everyone should do that. Everybody try it. Let's see. Yeah. It's it's called A Day in the Life. Okay. It's a Beatles song. Put it on for your dog, and then at the end... See what happens. (laughs) Yes, I know it doesn't say that it's actually in the end, but let's see Probably if your dog suddenly, it. suddenly kind of you yeah know, looks at you and goes, "What was that?" Then you know that this is this is a
0: uh, a correct fact. I love it. There you go. That's your quiz. You did really well. I won. I win. I win. I win. What? I win. You just win. Uh, I don't know. Win everybody's respect. There we go. I'll take it. Trust me. These days, I'll take it. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned.
1: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet
0: Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you a wizarding genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way or some process they they physically miniaturize the dog or is it a puppy or what what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've
1: got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something... Can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, You obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. This season of Ask Victoria is sponsored by Zooks. You know, an important part of dog training is feeling a connection with your favorite four-legged friend. And there's no better time than the holidays to take life a little slower together... My friends at Zooks are all about sharing outdoor adventures with your dog, but this time of year, we both want to remind you to slow down a little. Maybe take a shorter hike and a longer nap on the couch together. Zooks line of natural trail-tested training dog treats are the perfect way to reward your dog as you're bonding. Check them out at zooks.com and follow at Zook's Pets on social, and
0: let's go a bit slower, shall we? Okay, class is in session. Time for Victoria. No, that would be a quiz. Let's just ask you. You're the one who's going to teach. Well, you're teaching us, right? Hopefully. Okay. So as I said, class is in session. (laughs) Let's uh, go to our first question from Millie in Melbourne, Australia. And she says, Pip is my adopted three-year-old mini poodle. In our first year together, we've come a long way. He now has great self-control around food, chasing animals, and reacting to dogs. We've reached level four in obedience and have started agility. The Mm -hmm. only problem I have is I have no idea how to solve his whining in the car. It may have even gotten worse. He's fine when on the freeway, but he whines when I break or indicate and the whining builds to a scream when I park, even if he's getting out too. So please help us. So I think
1: he's getting excited, is he?
0: Oh.
1: I think so. So maybe he just he loves his agility or he loves his thing so much that he's just getting excited. It's like a kid just can't wait to get there. And then when he knows he knows the sounds of the car, his dog's very good at that, and that when you park and stuff, then now he's getting really, really excited, and that's just the way he expresses himself. So, uh, and I think, it doesn't sound like it's anything else, it doesn't sound like the whining is uh, because he's stressed or anxious at all, I do think it's just excitement. So what do we do about this? Okay, well, I'm a great believer of playing, uh, I love it, through a dog's ear, or um, canine my canine noise phobia, we have a calming C D there. And just to you can get it on iTunes too, and just to play some calming music. And I think when you play the soft music in the car, it can help dogs relax too. Um I also think that depending on where where is your dog in the car, is it in the front seat, is it which it shouldn't be, but is it in the back seat? Does it have a harness on? Is it in a crate? Maybe getting a crate that you can uh put stuff, stuff over, create a den-like space. Maybe will encourage your dog to relax a bit more. Um, maybe when you get to the place and your dog's whining is crazy, the dog actually doesn't get to get out of the car until the dog is quiet. You could try doing that so the dog realizes that uh, the whining is uh, not going to get him what he, I think, really wants, which is to get out of the car and go play. Uh, I, that's, that's what I would say. And normally, I'm having questions of dogs that are anxious in the car or whining or vocalizing or barking because they are, are anxious. But I do think this is excitement. And so, um, you know, sometimes you could just go and drive around and not actually end up anywhere. You could just take the dog for a drive and you just kind of drive around for a little bit and then come back home so that your driving doesn't always have the consequence of we're going to go somewhere fun. That might help, too.
0: Okay, this one is from Mark in Middletown, New Jersey, and he says, I've had miniature schnauzers for 27 of the 42 years of my life. I recently lost Elwood after 12 years to renal failure. We nursed him along for a year and a half after the diagnosis, and his predecessor, Smokey, lived to 15 Thinking of a successor, never a replacement. My breeder has two who are litter mates. I've heard it's a bad idea to bring home two puppies who are litter mates as they'll bond to each other rather than the owner. Is this true? The explanation discouraging me seems to make sense given how dogs are hardwired by nature, but I wanted to hear your thoughts. I, If, if
1: it was me, uh, look, there are plenty of people that have, have sibling dogs and they're absolutely fine, but if it was me and I had the choice to make... I would make the choice not to get the siblings together. And yes, because you're right. They can bond so much to each other that it's harder to bond with you. I think getting one dog at a time is a little better. It gives them space to bond with you, you to create a relationship. So uh, I think that's easier. Okay. There's also this other thing of whether, uh, the, the, or this other fact, I would say, that seems to happen quite a lot that siblings actually you know, are fine as puppies, but then as they get into adults or adolescents and then adults they start fighting and there truly is sibling rivalry. So if I was you I would not take siblings. I would take one dog, have time to bond that dog with yourself or um, existing dogs that you have in the house and uh, save the headache and the, the potential of either dogs that don't bond with you very well or dogs that might have a disagreement.
0: Okay, and uh, here's one from Beverly, Crooked River, Saskatchewan. Wow. I think it's our first. I, I what, have I've you been there? there? Very cool, Saskatchewan. I just love saying that. Mm. Uh, I'm new to this puppy training thing. We just got a pit bull lab cross. She's so high, strong, and crazy excitable. I have no idea how to start the training. I've started with the basic sit and lay down with food as a reward But her attention span is so limited. She also nips and bites the hands and feet and is hard on the cats. How is it best to try to get her out of these habits? I'm trying to do positive training, but I get so frustrated and find it hard to keep my tone light and positive. Hmm. The other issue is my boyfriend. We have different views on how to train. So basically, my question is, where do I start and what should I be looking for at this breed type? Okay, so I would get a trainer in to help you, and
1: I will, uh, depending, I don't know if we have one closer to you, but do go on my website to go and find a VSPDT trainer in your area. Those are the Victoria Still Positively Dog Trainers, and please, please go and invest in a trainer, and invest, if there's not a VSPDT in your area, um, and there's not a Victoria still Academy graduate in your area, then find... Um, a you know do your research find a reputable trainer somebody who is certified and somebody who is humane if anybody talks about pack theory or being the alpha or uses choke collars prong collars or shock collars do not do not employ them Uh, You've got a dog that's a young dog. You've got two very high energy breed types. And uh, so yeah, this is taking on a, a, a very energetic child into your house. And so you have to find ways of not just mentally stimulating that dog, but also giving that dog plenty of exercise. Because if you don't then it's going to feel like the dog is just going crazy. And, you know, these dogs do have a lot of energy. Uh, The Lab is a working breed. So you've got to give the dog something to do. Is it exhausting? Yes. Could you get frustrated? Yes. Don't worry about that. Everybody does. It's just that the more you can act, not frustrated, the better. But you still have to instill boundaries. Everyone thinks that positive just means, you know, you have to be just positive reinforcement. You just have to reward the dog all the time. You can give the dog feedback and say, no, that is not acceptable. It's just you do it without causing the dog fear or pain or intimidating the dog. And uh, that's why I think you need to have a trainer that is well versed in the positive philosophy of training to come and help you. And they will help you do all kinds of um, cues. The recall cue is the most important, getting your dog to come to you before you do sit and down. But I love the fact that you're already teaching your dog cues. But it's it's, it's also about life skills, teaching your dog how to cope with distractions and how to focus and how to bond with you and bond with your cats. And so there's a lot of being able to create or help you and your dog adapt, I think, to each other, and your new dog to adapt to your lifestyle.
0: And the payoff and reward will be huge. Huge. Awesome. One more? We've got one, one more. Let's Robin in the UK says Dear Victoria, my 10 month old puppy constantly barks when left alone, even for five to 10 minutes. We've tried all the techniques recommended, but no luck. Can you help?
1: Uh, I don't know which
0: technique she's tried. But. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's always more than the techniques that you think there are. Uh, but the, the, the key here is puppy. How old is your puppy? Ten months. Oh, ten months. Yeah, it see, says ten see months. See, when you read these things, I... That's okay. Like, your mind's going. Without reading themselves, yeah, my, I'm still focused on it's puppy and it's still... Okay, so it's a ten-month-old puppy. So, you know, Little. not a young, young, young pup. wonder how long this behavior has been going on and why. Why is it? Is it because it doesn't like being left alone? Is it completely independent, uh, dependent upon you? Is it um, getting very stressed and anxious? Is it does it follow you around always when you're when you're there and it just doesn't seem to cope when you're not there? That's what it seems to me that this behaviour could be. And it is it can be annoying, it can be really frustrating, but let's just think of it from the dog's point of view. There's a reason for this behavior and we need to find out why. And I'd like you to get a Victoria Still Positively Dog trainer in to come help you. Because the the money that you spend on a trainer, even if it's just one session, can mean a lifetime of change behavior. And it seems like because your puppy's 10 months, uh, that there's some kind of habitual behavior there. But it does mean increasing exercise, using a lot of mental stimulation, in um, mental enrichment exercises. Maybe uh, enrolling in a sort of a social scene for your pup, going to doggy daycare, something like that, that your pup needs, so that your pup doesn't indulge in this kind of behavior. But we've got to find out why first before you you implement a treating plan, a treatment plan.
0: All right, that's great. So if you uh, have questions, send it to us at podcasts. Uh, at Positively.com if you want Vic to answer your questions. Well, that was a really enlightening and good show. It was. Happy Boxing Day to you. Hey. <laughs> Same to you. Now, don't go out in the street and start knocking people down. That's not... <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. This is not... Go, um, you know, go to a pantomime. Have fun.
0: There you go. I think we should start a pantomime movement and in look, the U.S. I would
1: love it if there were pantomimes in the U.S. I just don't think they, they wouldn't just wouldn't get the humor. Hmm. It's, it is it is quite sort of Monty Python-esque, <laughs> British kind of humor. Hey,
0: you give me faulty towers, I'm all in. Uh... I know, I know. <laughs> I love that show,
1: too. I love it. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, we have one more podcast to go uh, for this season, so let's get busy prepping for that one, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell, or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.